You're listening to the weekly Joel Klatt segment podcast. Listen to it live every Wednesday between 8 and 8.30 a.m. during the football season. Presented exclusively by Audi Flatirons in Broomfield. Exceeding your experience from the first mile to the last. Joel Klatt. Our buddy Joel Klatt is presented by Audi Flatirons. We always, always look forward, and without to give him too much of a big head, we get a number of people on the text line saying, this is the best segment of your entire week. Yeah. How do you feel about that, Joel? You are the best segment of our entire week. You're welcome, Mike. <laughs> exactly the response I expected that's from That's exactly what right. I expected. Right. I mean, what else? The, what, I mean, that's like the biggest softball I've ever gotten right there. Isn't it, isn't it Sting? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, hello. Yeah. Uh, duh. Hey, by the way. Why? What, what did you think? What do you think of, of my statement there that even if they creep into the playoffs, even if they make the playoffs, Vic Fangio, just like Teddy Bridgewater, is not the long-term solution here. I, I, I totally agree. I was trying to think of a way to put it, and then you said, he's like, Jeff <laughs> teacher. And I was like, well, that's perfect. Uh, just going to reiterate that. I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, I heard, you know, a lot of the comments and read some of the comments that, that George made. When he said, like, I came here because Vic Fangio was the coach, I was, I was like, I'm sorry, that's an indictment on your own decision-making. Like, that's not a, a – I don't know what he thought that was, a vote of confidence for Vic Fangio. Does he feel like he's being, like, a positive leader in the organization? I mean, there's several other ways that you can communicate, you know, I guess the same type of – I came here because of Vic Fangio. I, I, I'm like, well, that just – is an indictment on you then. I mean, Nick Fangio has been a, a very good coach as a coordinator uh, in this league. There's there's no doubt about that. He's had some excellent defenses. Um, Denver has played some excellent defense, at, you know, and stretches. If you look at, I think they're still the number one defense, at least in the AFC West. Um, but, I, I agree with you. It's, it's, he, he brings nothing dynamic to the table that would suggest that you're going to be able to go out and retool this roster in free agency because it's some sort of destination. What offensive player wants to come for Vic Fangio and, and the offense that he's rolled out over the last few years? Zero, folks, zero. So, I, you know, I, I read that and I was like, hmm, that sounds really wrong. Well, then, what was George Payton conveying yesterday? Was that the truth, or was that just classic GM speak where, hey, I'm not looking to create headlines. I'm not looking to create talk show fodder. I still got nine games left for this season. I don't want to torpedo the entire season. I don't want to torpedo my building. So I'll say all these nice things that I don't truly believe. Well, the actions and the comments don't line up. If he believes that much in Vic Fangio and this year, I mean, the Broncos still have a, a great shot to go to the playoff. Look at the AFC right now. No one's running away with it, you know, and, 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 and this team is built by George to be a defensive oriented team. And yet he trades away the hall of fame player on the team on the defensive side that you've got to have in terms of the pass rusher and like the, the pillar of the defense. 
and he trades him away, and then but he's still believing and still providing hope. It's like what you got to pick one, man. Like you can't tell me that this is not a rebuild when you trade Vaughn Miller. I'm sorry, you just like you just can't. This is the classic. This is the classic elitist piss on my head. Tell me it's raining. Like that's not. I'm sorry, George. Like you gotta pick one because you're trying to straddle the fence right now, and it ain't working. Yeah, it certainly isn't, and I'm I'm with you on all those points. Um, and you know, I mean, I guess you're you're, I guess as a general manager, and it's classic. I'm gonna say a lot of things without trying to say anything, but I always say follow the actions. Don't listen to the words when. You know, come draft time when a GM speaks or come a coach speaks, like you just got to follow the actions. And the fact that you've moved Vaughn Miller, your best pass rusher, just says, hey, we're not very good. The eyeball test doesn't line up. And when you look at the Broncos, it, it simply doesn't, especially on the offensive side of the ball. That's right. The actions of the team and what we're seeing on the field, regardless of where they sit in the standings and their opportunity to potentially go to the playoff, uh, the playoffs. I think even the most hardcore Bronco fan would understand that, like, this is not the team that you're going to make some sort of Super Bowl or deep playoff run with. And when he trades Von Miller, I think that you kind of understand, like, yeah, you know, this this is in line with what we're seeing, that this is probably trending towards a rebuild. We need to figure out the quarterback position, for goodness sakes. We need to figure out the offensive coordinator who's been an abject disaster ever since he began calling plays in Denver. Like, there's a lot of things to figure out. So when he moves Von Miller, it makes sense. You don't love it. You don't love it. You want to be a team that you're you're getting guys at the trade deadline and you're making a run that year, and it's exciting. I understand that. I'm a Bronco fan, you know, deep in my heart. I've been since the day I was born. But you, you can't tell me that you're competing and trying your best and not rebuilding when you trade Vaughn. It just, none of that makes sense. And it doesn't line up with what was on the field either. Should they have traded Vaughn years ago? Oh gosh, I'm probably the wrong one to ask that because I, I get, I get tied to players. I think that the pass rusher is, is a staple on a great team. And the only thing that you have to to consider is the only way to maximize the value and impact of a great pass rusher is to play with the lead. The fact that they have been so bad on offense for so long doesn't maximize or take advantage of one of the best pass rushers in the league. The fact that they never fixed the offense suggests that maybe this should have taken place a long time ago, that this was a piece that you need to go and get in a a moment in which you can take advantage of that player's skill set. I think if I was from the outside looking in and I wasn't a Bronco fan who grew up in Denver who saw Von Miller in Super Bowl 50 basically, you know, not single-handedly but close, bring home a Vince Lombardi trophy, I would say, yes, this should have taken place a long time ago because they did not have the structure or the blueprint in place to make sure that Von's value was being maximized. They paid him, but then they couldn't maximize that value. And, and just from a, a straight 
dollars and cents construction aspect of how teams are built and how good teams are built, I think that Vaughn probably should have been moved, you know, five years ago, four years ago. Yeah, we've talked about that on this program quite a bit, and um, we're all in agreement. Several years ago, should have been moved like Khalil Mack was moved to, so you can get maximized value for him or maximum Basically value. Basically, like a year after the Super Bowl. Yeah, when you were falling apart and you couldn't find a quarterback. Uh, let me. Speaking of quarterbacks, I mean, it, it gets to be that time of the year where you know you're doing college football. Um, got to see you and listen to you and and Gus do the uh, Michigan Michigan State game. We'll get into that, but. From a quarterbacking standpoint, at least George Payton has compiled some draft picks. I believe they have 11 of them, a lot of flexibility in the draft. Um, and they can use those draft picks to either get a veteran quarterback, if a Rodgers, if a, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson clears all his legal issues, if a, uh, if a guy like Russell Wilson's on the open market or a collegiate quarterback to move up in the draft. So like, where are you with them at the quarterback position? And are there anybody, or are there any quarterbacks in the collegiate game that you see that would be a viable uh, move up in the draft for type of player. It's not a good year, I don't think. It's not like what we've had over the last few years. Um, the kid at Ole Miss is intriguing, Matt Corral. Um, I think that perfect name to be a Bron- perfect name to be a Bronco, right? Matt Corral, Corral, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So that makes exactly. that actually that makes sense to me now. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, but from from a a broad sense, it's not a great year. Everyone thought, myself included, that Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma quarterback, was going to have a big year. That hasn't panned out. Um, some of the best quarterbacks around the country are guys that are younger players like Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud at Alabama and Ohio State. I think one guy that's been interesting, although they lost last week, is Kenny Two Gloves, Kenny Pickett. He's the quarterback at Pittsburgh, and he's been having a year very similar to what you saw late in Baker Mayfield's career um, at Oklahoma or late in Joe Burrow's career at LSU, late in Mac Jones's career at Alabama. Now, he's not going to win the Heisman Trophy um, like like some of those guys did. But what you are going to see is, is his game is going to translate because he's been able to refine his game for so long. I think it's fascinating, and I hear this and talk about this all the time with college coaches and even a lot of the NFL people around the draft. A lot of times what you get stuck with is this, this position where you, you, you know and see that the more talented player is the less experienced player from college, that they don't have the total number and volume of snaps, but they're the more talented player. But the problem is, is that these veteran players come in and they're more ready and suited to contribute in an NFL game because They've grown more and developed more, not physically, but from a mental standpoint of understanding the game and the schematics of the game. And so a guy like Kenny Pickett is an interesting one for me. I know he's not going to jump off the tape, but, man, he's, he's had a very good year, and he reminds me a little bit of those older guys that, that really raised their draft stock in their last year. Mel Tucker, how'd the conversation go? <laughs> oh. Midnight Mel. Didn't call him midnight right to his face. I thought that would be rude. Um, I it, it went fine. You know, obviously, you, we all have a job to do, and you've got to praise him for what he's been able to, to do and accomplish and build there in a short time at Michigan State. And I think that's what, if Colorado fans were honest with themselves, myself included, 
that's the reason why it hurts so bad when he left, in particular in the timing that he did, is that we saw the quality of coach that he that he is and what he can build. And he's one of those guys that is clearly an internal standard for his own program. You know, it his his level of intensity, uh, physicality, everybody that's played for him will tell you that practice was always harder than the game. I'm a big believer that that should always be the case, that the standard for those players is so high on a day-in and day-out basis that the game turns out to be fun, and you're out there and you're energized because you understand that you're probably going to break the will of the opponent. And and I'll, I'll be it if that wasn't exactly what happened on Saturday against Michigan. So uh, he's done a tremendous job and rebuilt that team through the transfer portal, 40 new players this year. And lo and behold, here he is, uh, undefeated, and now he's going to get his door beat down by LSU. He's going to offer him a, the whole the whole Brinks truck of money to leave uh, Michigan State, which, let's be honest, as a Colorado fan, you kind of chuckle at. And, and this is a this is a tough question as a buff for you to to answer. But what did he see in the Michigan State job that he felt he just wasn't going to get in Boulder? Well, the economics are, are clear and obvious. Um, and, and the Pac-12 has done such a poor job of generating revenue for their distribution that their schools just don't have the pockets that the schools in the Big, Big Ten have. The Big Ten has been distributing over $50 million per school for a number of years. And at Michigan State, you know, they had the opportunity to take Mel's salary and double it and take the pool of, of a coaching salary in general, so Mel and his 10 assistants, and basically double it from what Colorado could provide. So Colorado was, was going to be able to, through a lot of hard work and generosity, quite frankly, from big donors, they were going to be able to get Mel into the threes maybe, you know, maybe the mid threes, and the salary pool for him and his assistant coaches of about seven, maybe seven and a half million. Well, Michigan State came in and offered him five and a half and eleven and a half, twelve for his pool of assistance. You've got to go take that. Just the resources alone. That's be it'd be foolish if you didn't, from a personal standpoint and quite frankly, a professional standpoint. It's also a school that has had far more success recently than Colorado, and I believe that that's an understatement. It's a school that's had Big Ten championships. Uh, they've been to a college football playoff. And you are going to be playing in a conference in which you're going to get one seen by millions more people. I mean, the, the game that we did on Saturday had more eyeballs than any um, college football game this entire season. In fact, in the fourth quarter, it's 12 and a half million people there. You know, I can't remember the last time a Pac-12 team, quite frankly, at any point played in front of 12 and a half million people. So there, there were so many reasons that he took that job, and rightly so. Uh, Joel, I think one thing that just kind of popped into my mind is we all know that, uh, that when it comes to football coaches, um, especially head coaches, they have their guys. They have their guys that they want to work with. Uh, you know, Gary Kubiak here forever had Rick Dennison, Brian Periani. It was his guys that everywhere they go, they take those guys with them. How much? For a guy like Mel Tucker, does that factor in that I can take care of my guys? I can bring them along with me and get those guys a payday. How much does that weigh into the fact that uh, I'm going to go somewhere else? It's not just about me getting paid, but it's my guys getting paid. 
Yeah, I think that that, that has a lot to do with it. You know, they're a, a guy that I played for that was an assistant on, on the Colorado staff that I was a member of. Um, Ted Gilmore is there coaching the tight ends at Michigan State. Jay Johnson, who was the offense coordinator at Colorado, he went with Mel. I think there's some core guys. It's not everybody, but it's some core guys. And you want to take care of them, certainly. But it's also that pool of money for your assistants is that you want to be, be able to be competitive when you go out there and you compete for assistants. Because it's not just competing for recruits in college football. You've got to compete for assistant coaches and strength coaches and offensive line coaches and defensive line coaches. And you've got to make sure that your recruiting department um, has enough people. So I think it, it's twofold. You want to take care of those that, that are, are your core guys, but also you want to have a big enough pool so that all of those things are taking, taken care of. Your nutrition department's taken care of. Your, your strength staff's taken care of. Uh, and you can go and compete for assistant coaches that you know you're going to need. College football playoff rankings, first ones out, Georgia, Alabama, Michigan State, and Oregon. Tell me the one team that, when it's all said and done, won't be there, and uh, tell me the one team that's not there right now that will be there. Yeah, so I, I, I would just go on the odds, and and I, I believe that Alabama is is not going to be there. Um, I say that hesitantly, Mike, but because obviously the committee loves themselves some Alabama, and rightly so. It's a great football team. But I think that if they lose to Georgia, who I think is a better team and have two losses and they're a non and they're a non champ, I think that they'll fall out. The team that I think is it has the easiest road to play themselves in is Ohio State. I believe they control their entire destiny. They have a Michigan State game. They've got a Michigan game. They've got a Big Ten championship game. And then the other team that can potentially control their own destiny, in particular with the fact that Ohio State and Michigan State will play themselves out one or the other, would be Oklahoma, even all the way down there at eight. If they went out and are an undefeated Big 12 champ, there's not a doubt in my mind that they would go to the college football playoffs. So those are the two teams that are not in the four that could wind wind up in the four. What do you think of Cincinnati? I mean, guys, I, you know, I'm a big conference snob. I The schedule that they play is, by all metrics, horrific. Like, I don't, I don't know how else to say it. Um, they've got a great win against Notre Dame. I really love Desmond Ritter. I like Luke Fickle. They've done a great job. I would love a scenario or a structure of postseason in our sport that could include Cincinnati. But in this structure of postseason, I just don't see it. Every team that could potentially lose a game and still win their Power 5 league will have done more than Cincinnati. It's it, That's just the truth of it. So... I hate to say it, but I'm 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 an elitist, man. I'm gonna I'm a big conference snob. That's I. Sorry. I, hopefully you can maybe get in, but I mean, enjoy your bowl game. I don't care. Elitist snob and Joel Klatt. They just mm. I don't know. They, they just don't, they, they, they don't flow. No, they do. They fit so well. No, I don't. I don't <laughs> think, do. I don't think of them that way. Look, this I is don't. the same guy that while he was playing football at CU would walk up to a golfer and toss him a sleeve of Titleist and go, "You're welcome." Yeah, I just think it. That's I think a bad. I don't, listen, I don't think it. It doesn't listen, get more elitist than that. Your feelings. If your truth, if the truth hurts your feelings, that's not my problem. That's your problem. That <laughs> yeah. just means you're soft. Right. That. See, that's how I look at it. It's not elitist lie. It's just truthiness. That's just it's, like. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, like facts don't care about your feelings. Mm-hmm. Love that. See? That's why I say that's why it, yeah. it, he wears it so well.
He does. He, he does really hey, wears listen, it well. He does embrace it. He does embrace it. He does it. embrace it. He wears it. it well. Thank you, Joel. Like, well, who you got this week? It's like, it's like a really nice sweater. Ohio State at Nebraska. Got to go to Lincoln. That's always fun. Oh, that's like eating a turd sandwich right there. Oh, man. N stands for knowledge. Mm-hmm. You gotta, exactly. You got to ask uh, Scott Frost uh, when, when the Big Ten is ever going to be able to handle Nebraska. <laughs> Didn't he, yes. didn't he, wasn't that one of his first comments? Like the Big Big Ten ain't ready for Nebraska, that kind of thing? Didn't he say something like that? Uh, something along those lines. Yeah, yeah. I know that the last time I was in Lincoln was for an Ohio State game. And it was basically like we were there to execute Mike Riley. You know, it was kind of like, oh, boy, this is not going to end well. And it just feels so similar to that. I like Scott. I think he's a good coach. They're much better now than when he first got there. There's no doubt about that in my mind. But they keep losing games in just, like, odd and weird ways. And it's not going well. And it feels like we're there again <laughs> to basically fire our coach. This time of year, man, it's tough. We'll build graphics. And we'll go over them on Friday night. I think you guys go over them on Saturday night, I'm sure. Yes, we do. And and you'll see graphics, and they and our, our graphics guys, they do a great job, but they'll be doing all sorts of research all week. And they'll put up a graphic, and I just, like, rub my temples, and I'm like, if we air that graphic, everyone gets fired. I just, <laughs> not in our crew. I'm not like, their crew. Like, right. And there'll be, there's times, and I'm not going to name names, but there's times when coaches have rubbed me the wrong way. And we'll be sitting on a graphic, and I'll just call for it late. And I, I literally will hit the talk back, and I'll be like, all right, let's fire him. Wow. Get rid of this guy. You are ruthless, and I love you. That is well, awesome. You are. It, I mean, it's, it's a rough business. I don't know what to tell you. You are. If the graphic isn't a lie and it's the truth, then it's not my problem. <laughs> that is That is awesome. All right, Joel. Thank you. Have a great day, boys. Joel Clatt. Elitist snob. He's Joel Clatt. He's just the best. And he wears it well. All right, as always, a lot to unpack. And Zach By joins us to talk about the latest Mile High Hoops podcast. That's next, Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Hello, this is Ryan Watson, Vice President and General Manager of Audi Flatirons and Audi Boulder Service. When was the last time a dealership delivered the experience you were looking for? Have you ever felt that buying a car was solely about making the sale? It should be about the relationship, beginning with your commitment to do business with us and continuing through the years to follow. Our team is dedicated to exceeding your expectations from the first mile to the last. Come see us in person or visit us online at AudiFlatirons.com or AudiBoulderService.com.